Good to see you again, everybody. Please take your Bible, if you will, find the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah tonight in your Bible. Find that place, if you will. Eleven. Nehemiah chapter number 11, find that place if you will please and we'll get started tonight with our look at the Word of God as we've been going through the book of Nehemiah. We're winding it down. We'll be finishing up soon in this book as we maybe another few more weeks and we'll see where the Lord leads us from there. Don't forget that when summer hits, July and August, we normally have different men take turns preaching in the evening, different men of the church and sometimes a guest preacher. And so we look forward to the preaching in July of all the different men. And uh, if you're uh, interested in that, let us know. I'm not sure who's yelling amen back there, but they're excited about it. Is that Hosanna yelling on me? <laughs> all right. <laughs> she's like, Dad's going to preach amen. And she's saying, amen. And maybe we'll get uh, Brother Ronald up here preaching. You never know. What do you think? At least Alicia? Does he preach at home? <laughs> Amen. That's what I like to hear. <laughs> All right. We're waiting for the good-looking people to come into the church, and here they come. Good evening. Good to see you all tonight. So we'll get those two guys preaching. Maybe Steve will preach again. He's learned a lot at Bible college. And uh, how's he doing down there? Any girlfriends or anything? He keeps those cards close to the vest, amen? Well, we'll see what happens. So again, we will be preaching uh, and uh, looking forward to the summer months and all that God has for us. But don't rush the year, my friend. Always enjoy each season, which, what God gives to us. Let's pray, and then we'll make some opening comments, and we'll go from there. Father, bless this time, bless this hour now. We thank you for the Word of God. We're thankful for Scripture that we can study and learn from. And Lord, as we see what men did thousands of years ago, Lord, nothing's changed. The heart of man is still the same. There are people that are wicked and hate you, and then there's those who love you and want to serve you. Lord, let us be found with those who want to serve you and be found faithful. Let us be amongst the band Lord, who never lowers the blood-stained banner, but exalts the Word of God and will not dance before the world's golden calves. Let us, Lord, love you and serve you. Thank you for men like Nehemiah and Ezra and all those who went and worked with them. Let us be found as they were. Now bless this time and this hour now in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Now, we looked at chapter number 10 last week, and we saw in chapter number 10 that the people of the land of Israel uh, and, uh, were make, made a covenant. And this covenant uh, was a promise that they're going to serve God. The covenant basically involved three things were involved in this covenant and what they were going to do. First, it involved their marriages and how they were going to faithfully serve Almighty God and not intermarry. 
Second thing they promised to do was not to do any business on the Sabbath day, which is Saturday, and keep the Sabbath day a holy day. And the third thing that they were going to do is make sure that they faithfully gave of their tithes and the first fruit of their offering to the work of the Lord. That was their priority. So those three things are part of the covenant, this seal that they make with them. Now, when we come to chapter number 11, and we, we see these chapters, by the way, and we start, especially 12, we see a lot of names being mentioned. And in chapter number 11, this chapter really is a continuation of chapter number 7, which concerns adding people to the population of the city of Jerusalem. And adding more people to the population of Jerusalem uh, affected the populations of other cities. You pull people out of one area, put them here, then that area is lacking. And so uh, they're trying to figure this all out because in order for a city to survive, you do need people in the city. You must have a population. And the problem with a lot of countries today is that because of low birth rates and, and the, the emphasis on having just one child or maybe two child, and heaven forbid a family should have four kids. People are like, four kids? What do you know? You know, years ago it wasn't uncommon to have four, five, six, seven, eight kids. That was, that was almost commonplace in this country. And it was commonplace in many places around the world. But now we're seeing in Europe where they're struggling with their population. And so what they're doing is they're really importing people. That's why the Syrian refugees poured into Germany, and Germany is hoping to brought them in, not because they're good-hearted and kind, but because there's a serious shortage of people in the country. The German people are not having babies. They want to sit around the cafe and smoke their cigarettes and talk about whatever, but they're not wanting to, to have work and and have families. And so they brought the Syrian refugees in, which caused all kinds of other problems for them. The same thing with England, with their low birth rate. And we got a, a problem in this country as well with a low birth rate. And so they say, well, we need more people. And so we bring more people into the country who are not being properly screened. So Israel's dealing with this problem here. And so we see that really some of the problems of today are not new problems. They're struggling with them. And, and that's what they're talking here in verse number 1 of chapter number 11, which is not our topic tonight, but I just want to kind of let you know what it's about before we move on. And the rulers of the people dwelt at Jerusalem, and the rest of the people also cast lots to bring one of ten to dwell in Jerusalem to the holy city, and nine parts to dwell in the other cities. And the people blessed all the men that willingly offered themselves to dwell at Jerusalem. So there is this, it, through verses 1 through 19, and and 21 through 24, there's, a, there's this idea of the population of the capital city. We've got to populate the capital city. And then there's the population of the country cities. You know, we've got New York sitting over there, and we're kind of like a suburb of that. We've got Newark over here. We've got Jersey City. Those are major cities. And here we are. We're a small town. And, and so if the populations of Newark and Jersey City, by the way, you go back to the Newark riots, which took place in 1968. You had 500,000 people living in Newark. When the riots broke out and, and, and they burned things and destroyed things, 250,000 people packed up and left, dropping Newark's population to 250,000. And my friend, here we are. Uh, do the math on that. What is that? Almost 50 years or some later, and the city is still trying to recover from the loss of that population. The businesses collapse, economies collapse, and, and if you don't have businesses, then you don't have an income and tax money, and, and it hurts everything. 
And so they're trying to balance these things out in chapter number 11 of who's, who can, who's going to dwell in the city, who stays in the country cities or the villages and the towns. And, and so we've got to make sure our, our, our country is working. We've got to get our country moving. This is, a, this is a brand new project. Remember, for 70 years, there's been no country. Now they're trying to get it going again. And so that there's a lot of key pieces into working. The walls have been rebuilt. The temple has been rebuilt. And, and now they're moving on to other problems that are, they're struggling. In chapter number 12 of this chapter, you see all those wonderful names there, again, of what's going on here. Uh, and verse, especially verses 1 through uh, 22, all the names of the people. And some of the, the, of the list of priests and Levites are given in the first half of this chapter, which helps to verify the pedigree of these men. And that's why they're here for us, and they were written down years ago, because it's very important for the Jewish people to make sure that they are Jews, and that they are full-blooded Jews. This is important to them. They to make sure that there's no. We may have trouble understanding this because we live in an America where we we intermarry with with people of other nationalities. You know, here my dad Polish. He marries a girl who's Scottish, Swedish, and English. And and then and then there I am. People always ask me, well, "What are you? Like, what do you mean? What am I? What, what where are you from? I'm from Carney. No, <laughs> no. Where were your parents from? Carney. My father's from Harrison. No, where are they? Well, if you want to go back 100 years, it's, it's Poland, Scotland, England, and Sweden. Then I married my wife, who's from uh, Georgia, originally born in Memphis, Tennessee. And, and well, what is she? Well, she's, she's Southern. And she's, her family's been down South for the last 200 years. And we don't know after that. And there might be some uh, Native American uh, Indian blood in her. My, Evan's all excited about that. He might be part Indian. I don't know. He, so he give him a tomahawk and see what happens. But he's uh, he may he may have some Cherokee in him, or who knows what goes on. The way he goes on the warpath, he just might. Amen. <laughs> That's funny, right, Evan? Ethan? <laughs> he doesn't get it. Anyway, warp. Never mind. I'm just teasing with your son. Nothing. And so. We really, you know, we, we, we're, we're mixed bag of everything. But to the Jewish people, God stressed that their lineage was important. Because through them, the Messiah is going to come. And the Messiah has to be born of Jewish skin. And so they had to keep their pedigree. The pedigree was very important to them. You'll pay more for a pedigree dog than you will for a mutt. Amen. Some of you want them fancy, smancy little dogs there, or big dogs, like Brother Lou's got that beautiful dog of his. That's a pedigree, isn't it? It's a full-blooded pedigree, and, and, uh, and so it's a beautiful dog. Don't mess with that dog. And then you get other dogs that are just whatever. And uh, the Jews had to make sure this is a pedigree, so they give these names here for the purpose of being a pedigree. And so we see this in verses 1 through 9, and, and there are the priests and the Levites who went with Zerubbabel and Yeshua. And again, Zerubbabel and Yeshua uh, had these priests as company in their trip to Jerusalem. Again, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. Uh, I want to move on to some other things that have more meat to them. And again, uh, But I want us to know why they're there. Our purpose is not just to entertain you or uh, give you this world-breaking news, but to know why God put these names in the Bible. They're not there just to bore you. They're there to to verify and to prove the pedigree of the Jewish people who are in their cities again, occupying their land, and this is going to be a Jewish nation. A Jewish nation. You know, again, thinking about other countries, you, you, 
you, you go to a foreign place and you expect to see people of that land. If you go to London, what do you expect to see? English people, amen? Well, the city's been taken over by the Muslims, and a lot of the shops and streets are all basically Muslim shops. It's like, well, where's the fish and chips? Where's the, you know, the hello governor and the pip-pip? Where's the the British people? You go to France, you expect to see the same thing. But again, you find people of foreign nature. You go to Germany, where's the Germans? I want some lederhosen and some, you know, some uh, hills are alive with the sound of music stuff. Where where are these people? But you find, again, uh, Syrians, so you go on. Then you go to Poland. And then God bless Poland. Poland's like, no, we're not taking anybody. We're, we're Polish and we're going to stay Polish. I mean, that's how they operate over there. True story. So you go to foreign countries, you expect to see people of that country there. It's just kind of the mentality that people have. And then, then you find that, well, the world is moving and the world is integrating, is it not? And in the last hundred years, we're seeing, you know, for, for centuries, people stayed. And it was just always, you know, this, these are French people and these are English people, and they just stayed that way. The last hundred years, we've had this mass movement and migration of the world all around. And, and so you come here and you expect, you can see anything. And everybody, somebody said, you know, Pastor, what I like about your church? The guy told me this yesterday. You know what I like about your church? He goes, you've got everybody there. Like, what do you mean everybody? What's that? You've got all kinds in your church. And he started listing all the people he saw in our church. I said, well, that's the way a church should be, by the way. It's just, it's all kinds. Everybody's welcome. There's no sign above the door saying certain people only. But Israel had a sign. Basically, we want Jewish people controlling things. Other people, Gentiles were allowed to come in and, 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 and sell things. They were allowed to market things. And they were even allowed to, to uh, become Jewish by converting to Judaism. But they wanted to make sure that when you walked down the streets, you knew that you were in a Jewish city. This is who we are. We are Jewish. And we are going to make sure we stay that way. Now in this chapter, chapter number 12, we see again the various lists of priests and Levites are given in this section. And, uh, and it says in verse number 12, the Levites in the days of Eliashib, Joida, and Johanna, and Jedua were recorded chief of the father's also the priest and, and to the reign of Darius of Persia. Again, this, here in these things, these days give us some historical references to, to who was in office during the times and service uh, of the ministers that are listed previous. So again, the Bible, what God does is he lets us know. Now, here's who the men who were ministering, and this is the time frame. This is who's ruling. And that's always helpful. Sometimes you want to figure out what's going on in history and if we're trying to figure out where exactly we are in history, well, uh, who, who's in charge? What leader is in charge? That's why in the Bible you have in the days of Caesar Augustus, and, and it gives you all that list. So we know exactly the time frame of when Christ was born. And we say, okay, I, I, all right, that's, that's right around here. That's, just, that's around this point in history. It doesn't just say, okay, Jesus was born in Bethlehem, and uh, well, when? No, and Boom, boom, boom. And the same thing here with our scripture. And the duties of these men, we see in verse number 24, and the chief of the Levites, Heshabiah and Sherebiah and Yeshua and the son of Kadamiel, with their brethren over against them to praise and to give thanks according to the commandments of David, the man of God, um, ward over against ward. And again, it mentions those names. What was the job of these individuals? These jobs, again, several duties are mentioned in this list, those who traveled with Zerubbabel, 
the priests and especially the Levites had various duties connected with the temple. And part of their duties, by the way, was the giving of praise and thanksgiving. By song was one of their duties. So in Scripture, when you went to the temple and you were offering your sacrifices, there were people whose sole job there was for the purpose of singing and praising God. That was their job in life. You say, man, I like to have that job. But again, it's a, it's a job of praise to the Lord. That's what their job was. And other men there in the temple, uh, and what they had to do, they were the treasures, as you read these things. They were the treasures of the gifts. Everything that came into the temple, these men were responsible to make sure that the gifts all went to the right place. As it says, that the threshold of the gates. And that refers to the storehouse of treasuries. A storehouse in the Bible, when you see the word storehouse in your Bible, it's in connection with the temple, and the storehouse was basically a warehouse where they kept all the food and goods that the people tithed on and brought down to the temple. So the priests would live off of that money that was basically in the warehouse. That's what we had to live off of. And so there were men whose sole responsibility were treasures who recorded all of the things that came into the temple. Again, why is this important for us? Why do I need to know these things? The practicality of the service mentioned here, again, is applicable for us. In ministry, there are things that are basically what we would call uh, uh, jobs that have to be done. We don't think about them often because it's not our responsibility. But somebody has to pick out the music. And somebody has to lead the singing. Somebody has to play the music. And somebody has to record the offerings and keep the books. And somebody has to write the checks. These are all important things for a church to function. So everything is done, as the New Testament tells us, that it's done, what, decently and in order. A lot of times in today's ministries, there's no order. And things are definitely not decently so scripture says things have things done decently and in order. And order, my friend, is something God is, it takes very serious. When God made creation, is creation chaotic and full of eruptions and, and this massive confusion of, of time and space and things crashing and burning and evolving? No. Creation is order. God is always about order. If there's confusion and chaos, my friend, it's not of God. People say, oh, I'm dating this girl, and it's all confusing and everything. It's not of God. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's not of God. Break up with that thing, and, or that, not that thing, but break up that relationship, I should say, and forget about it. If he's confusing and, and, and she's confusing, and it's chaotic, you know, people you know, on their Facebook, relationship statics, it's complicated. Well, it shouldn't be complicated. <laughs> forget, it's not of God. Renee and I, we met, it wasn't complicated. She fell in love with me, and I fell in love with her, and that's the way it worked, amen? It was simple. Nothing, nothing, uh, nothing strenuous there, right, sweetheart? Amen. Amen. Boy, that sounded genuine, amen. There you go. I remember we'd be in Bible college. I'd walk into my class. I'd walk into one class. It was a preacher boy class. So me and a bunch of 100 other guys sitting there in class and sitting there and I'd have to get my Bible open and ready, and, and I'd hear the guys going, Matt, Matt, Matty. It's a problem. 
And they point to the doorway, and I look at the doorway, there's Renee in the doorway. And say, so, you know what it is like a guy getting up in front of a girl, you gotta walk out, like, you know. <laughs> then you get it when no one's looking at you. So, you know, that's how it was, amen? Right, sweetheart? <laughs> Trust me, she does a lot of talking at home, all right? She just is not here, but she's, she's following biblical commands. And now, but there are practical things here. Things are being done and decently in order. And, and the priest to the reign of Darius of Persia, again, uh, this text had to be written by someone other than Nehemiah. For Again, uh, Nehemiah, uh, we know from Scripture, did not really live that long. But uh, there are things going on here, that, again, that are uh, important to us to know that we should operate the same way. Now, in, in chapter 12, verses 27 through 43... There's the, this dedication ceremony. Now, sometime after the walls were completed, a great dedication service was held in Jerusalem. And waiting until after the city had been increased in population before the dedication service happened. And they want to give this ceremony the attention it deserves. And Nehemiah would be in charge of the dedication ceremony. Now, again, this is taking some time. They didn't have it the day the walls were built. And let's have a no. So sometimes we have dedication ceremonies for a lot of different things. And, and they're all good. We should dedicate. When something great happens, we, we dedicate. A new store opens, we dedicate the store. We, we, we build a road. You know, this road was only five miles. It took 30 years, and we're excited. It's finally open. And, and we cut a ribbon, and we're, and yay, we dedicate that new highway. We do all kinds of other things. They're building a bridge in Clifton. It's 10 feet wide, 20 feet long goes over a, a two-inch creek, and, and three years later, they're still working on it. You can't rush these things. And some, some what's that? Just it just opened. Oh, my soul. Praise God. What happened? It must have been, the, you know, it must have been a three-year project, and they waited till that final last day. It's like Route 46. You know, that's supposed to be done this year. It's only been 20 years, but it's supposed to be finished this year, that crazy merge out there. So, the two guys leaning on the shovels the other day didn't look like they were going to finish it by this year. But hey, but dedication ceremonies are important. And they're seeking people. And it says in verse number 27, as we read in Scripture, And at the dedication of the wall of Jerusalem, they sought the Levites out of all their places to bring them to Jerusalem, to keep the dedication with gladness, both with thanksgiving, with singing, with cymbals, psalteries, and with harps. So again, here we see the Levites were sought to furnish the music for the dedication ceremony. This was their task. The music was to praise God and to thank God, and it was to produce gladness. And by the way, music ought to produce emotion in us. The purpose of music really is, is to produce some kind of thought and emotion. Let's be thankful to God. Every song we sing ought to have an emotional attached to it. I'm thank God. We praise God. We sang holy, holy, holy this morning. I love that song. Boring song. No, it's not. Not if you love God and know God. You, you want to praise God. Why? Because the beauty of his what? Holiness, the Bible says. And, and that music gets us in that frame mind, that uh, yeah, the, that thought, that, that having the proper mind towards that, that I ought to praise God because God is a holy God. And a holy God wants something to do with me. I ought to praise God for that. So these men here who were here were, were the purpose of, of, of bringing this uh, rejoicing and thanksgiving and, and reminding the people they ought to be glad. And, and our music ought to make us glad. 
I know one pastor friend of mine, he only sings upbeat and fast songs. Any song in the hymnal's got to be, you know, it's got to be one of those peppy numbers. Well, you miss a great blessing if you don't sing in the garden. You miss a great blessing if you don't sing uh, the old rugged cross. You miss a great blessing if you don't sing holy, holy, holy. You know, and they, 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 they all have their place. And, and each one does something different. I know the, the teenagers used to love that, uh, that song about the, which one was it? Uh, um, the Bible Stands. They used to request that one all the time. It's a good, good song. It's a peppy little number or, or dwelling in Beulah land. But again, there's other songs we sing that are slower and, and provoke more thought as we sing them. And so, but they wanted to fast numbers because it's, that means we're alive. No, it doesn't have to be fast to be alive. It just has to be scripturally sound to be alive and have the blessings of God on it. And so the priest here that they're working, we notice in verse number 30 something that takes place here. It says, And the priest and the Levites purified themselves and purified the people and the gates and the wall. Some of the purification would be ceremonial, especially in the case of the walls. But the message is that the purification is essential for any special service for the Lord. Can I encourage us that purity is one of the main qualifications for service? If a person is not pure, they should not be serving. If a person is not following scriptural principles, they cannot serve. They're not pure. Too often we got, you know, Anything and everything goes. But Nehemiah is saying, you know what? Again, how do you cleanse a wall? You know, there's nothing. They may throw some water on it and just say, you know, but they weren't scrubbing the rock. But there's the idea that we're going to, this is dedicated to God. This is God's wall. And we're going to make sure, you know, it's, so it's the idea. And they themselves were not only ceremonially pure, but they were morally pure. We can't worship God, my friends, unless we're being obedient to him. Remember, worship, it swings on the hinges of obedience. And you can't say, I'm going to worship God. Somebody used to argue with me all the time. Well, I'll preach, you don't understand. I, I, I love God. I want to worship him. What you're doing, you're doing A, B, and C. Yeah. God says that's wrong. And so you can't worship God wholly if you're doing what God says is wrong. And it's like I was talking to a wall. They're like, something wrong with you, Pastor. It's like, Maybe there is something wrong with me. I actually believe this book, and we fo- I try to follow it. And by the way, you know, keeping yourselves pure has kept me straight. I'm going to serve God. It would be amazing. I went to Bible college, and the things guys who were 18, 19 years old used to talk about. And I'm like, guys, you shouldn't be talking like that. And they would ask me questions, and they were surprised the life that I was living. I was 23 years old or 24 years old when I went to Bible college. And they were like, what? I said, yeah, I serve God. I've been serving God. I've been serving God. And so I believe the scripture says certain things. We ought to follow those things. And they looked at me like, oh, I had three heads. There was the procession in the dedication in 31 through 39, there's a, the, the procession of the people on the walls was a major part of the dedication of serving. And by the way, let me back up just a little bit. You know, if a person has been impure in their life and done bad things, it, it doesn't mean you're exempt from service now. You get saved and get right with God, and the blood of Christ does what? Cleanses us from 
all sin. We're talking about somebody who's living now in open rebellion against God and, and doing, I've had to fire people here at the church as pastor. You sorry, you can no longer do this job here at the church. Why? Because you're doing A. And the Bible says A is wrong. So you can't do that job anymore. I'm sorry. Now, Nehemiah is going to divide these people up into two companies. First, there's the chief of the companies. He says in verse number 36, And his brethren Shemamiah and Azarel and Maliah and Giliah and Mai and Nethiam and all these men here that we, we love their names, uh, these men here are going to represent uh, the, the, the secular service, the civic service. You see in verse number 38, And the other company of them that gave thanks went over against them, and, and I after them, and the half of the people upon the wall, and, and from beyond the tower of the furnaces, even unto the broad wall. So the first company we see here are those who are the, represent the spiritual people. Everybody has a job, and there's nothing wrong with spiritual service. And then there's the people who represented this, the secular service or the civic service. Then there's a group of people that represent the princes, the rulers, the musicians. These were equally divided, and we find in verse 31 and 32. Now, no laity are recorded in the companies, although they could have been in the procession. The course in this procession, as they're dedicating to having this ceremony and, and people are lined up, we have our parades. We have the St. Patrick's Day Parade here in town, and we always have somebody who's the Grand Marshal. They, they pick out the most Irish person in town, and, they, and he's the Grand Marshal. He marches down Carney Avenue in his full Irish regalia, waving into the people. He, he's representing that parade. And, and then there's processions behind them. You usually have the politicians uh, there, the civic leaders. Uh, and then, uh, then you have other people behind them other groups and, and other people all in their companies. Well, where did we get that idea from? We apparently got it from the Bible because they're having this procession and they're marching people in order to their responsibility and their jobs that they have as they're going down here. Now, one company went on the right hand of the wall towards what was called the Dung Gate and the other went over against them into the opposite direction. And so you got this parade going on on top of the wall, which tells us, by the way, how big this wall was. It wasn't like we're building a wall out here, but as a wide wall that these people could march two, three abroad upon the top of the wall. So this is a massive structure they have built. It's not some small garden wall. It's, it's very high and very broad. And, and in order for a wall to be like that, you have to have a lot of bricks in between that. Imagine the thickness of the wall being somewhat about the one of the widths of these chairs. And over 20, 30 feet high. That's a tall wall, along with towers. This was a lot of hard work these men did. Now they're having the parade, the procession. One's going this way, one's going this way as they're marching around the walls. And the bands are sing playing, the singers are singing, and, and people are rejoicing, and they're excited about what God has done for them. They got a brand new wall, they got a brand new temple, and this is an exciting time. They're getting political order. We don't often like politicians. We think most of them are corrupt and evil and, 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 and against us. But every now and then, God will give us some good ones who do want the best for the community and, and do want to do right by the community. You ought to pray for them, by the way. Lord, give us a good leader who wants to fix our streets and lower our taxes and, and do right by us. That'd be a serious prayer, would it not? I don't mind a person being a politician, but when they retire a multimillionaire, I, I got questions, amen? It's like... 
the job only pays 40 grand a year. How come they're worth $2 million? I got, I got questions. Or the, 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 some mayors are only part-time jobs. Why is this guy a millionaire? He must have collected food stamps or you know, green you know, coupons. Now, so they're marching on the walls, and, and the, the parade would be a reproach. People are not always going to be excited about this. There's going to be those who will mock them. And, and uh, remember, go back to Nehemiah chapter number 4. What does the Bible say about those who are mocking them and their wall? Nehemiah chapter number 4 and verse number 3. It says, Now Tobiah the Ammonite was by him, and he said, Even that which they build, if a fox go up, he shall even break down their stone wall. <laughs> well, my friend, originally said this wall, a fox could knock it down. Well, where is this guy right now? I'd like to ask him a question. They're having a parade on top of the wall. You mock these people. My friend, people will always mock you when you try to do something for God. And remember, everything, everything in life starts small. From us, the day we're born, to the, the, the greatest of trees, all start small. Don't ever doubt what God can do if we just give it to Almighty God. I like what somebody said, the greatest oak tree was once a nut that held its ground. I like that, amen? So don't be afraid to be a nut that just holds your ground and, and, and you're not going to move, you're just going to do it. They didn't get discouraged. Oh, they're mocking in front of our wall. Yeah, it's kind of, you know, just a, it's nothing to look at right now. And they keep building. Just keep building. Just keep working. We don't know what God's doing behind the scenes. Be faithful. Now they're marching on that wall. Where are the mockers? God always, God always, always eventually silences all the mockers. All the mockers eventually sit there with, and, and, and can't say anything of any seriousness. You know how you know when you want to debate? When they begin to make fun of you and belittle you for your looks or something else. You know how when you were a kid, you know how you lost your argument? When you made fun of the person, that's how you lost the argument, amen? Well, you're, well you're, you're stupid and ugly. Your nose is big. That means you lost the argument. So you've, you went personal. Same way here. You, you're a wall. A fox can knock it down. That was pretty good. You, well, you're still ugly. Ooh. Now, they didn't say that, but that's how people are. Be faithful. Be faithful. God bless them for their faithfulness. And so they're going to march, and this is going to lead them to the temple. And part of their program... There were at least three parts of this program, and I'll finish this very quickly. It says in verse number 40, So stood the two companies of them, and they gave thanks in the house of God. And thanksgiving was a large part and a logical part of the program. The two companies would raise their voice in honor to God through thanksgiving. I like thanksgiving. There's only a few holidays I really recognize that I give any credence to. Thanksgiving is one of them. Christmas. Memorial Day, 4th of July, and I guess that's about it. Everything else is like, eh, whatever. So those days mean a lot to me, and, I, and Easter, of course. But uh, 
You know, we, uh, I like Thanksgiving. I think Thanksgiving is a time to be thankful. And what day are they trying to destroy, by the way? Thanksgiving. It's Indigenous People Day. Well, I'm indigenous. I was born here. I mean, what are you talking about? I'm, an, I'm a Native American. I was born here. I don't, I don't know what your problem is. But they want to destroy that. Why? Because it's a time that we're going to thank God. What are we thankful for? We're thanking God. Thanking God for his goodness and mercy. Thanking God for his blessings and, and the things we have on our table. Thank God for the family and friends we have around our table. And where we are, God, be thankful. These people, we learn thanksgiving from the Bible. Second group we see in verse number 42, it says, The singers sang loud with Jazariah, uh, the overseer, the choir director. And again, music was also a big part of the dedication. It was accompanied by trumpets, according to verse number 31. So again, music's very important in their praising and thanking God. Third, there's going to be sacrifices in verse number 33. Offering sacrifices was also involved in the dedication of this temple. Again, in, in the present-day application, you say, well, well, how does this make a present-day application? You want a present-day application for an offer? They offered an animal sacrifice. You know, you know what it takes to give up your best animal? A friend of mine, he was a farmer in, in Georgia, and he spent $2,000 buying a bull. It was in his pasture, and one day he went out there, and the bull was dead. I said, what would you do with it? He said, I dragged it into the woods. I said, I couldn't cut it up. Couldn't, you know, I don't know what killed it. I don't know what was poisoned. So I just had to drag two, he just, I just dragged $2,000 into the woods and let creation take care of the rest. I got the cow skull at home. I said, can I have the skull? I'd like to put it on my barbecue grill. That'd be awesome to have a cow skull on my, my barbecue grill. So I got the cow skull. And I got a $2,000 cow skull at my house for free. So you sacrifice the best bull you have. You sacrifice the best sheep you have. You're bringing that down. You're not, you, this cost you money to buy this animal. Or you raise this animal. This is, and so you're sacrificing this to God at this temple ceremony. That's where the priest got the sacrifices from, from the people. Well, you know how we offer thanksgiving to God and how we sacrifice to God? Well, we pass an offering plate. Well, it's not the same thing. It's the same thing, basically. Because they had a cough dig into their pocketbooks and I'm giving my best animal. This could have made a good meal. We had lamb loin chops the other night on the grill. They were delicious. Cost me 20 bucks. Not that you get to get the whole lamb, just got a piece of them. But that could have been a meal for a whole family. What are they going to do with that lamb? We're just going to burn it up. We're going to slice its throat, take its blood sprinkle it on the mercy seat, and then we're just going to burn it. We're not going to eat it? No. You're going to use the wool? No. Everything's going to get burnt on the fire. That's like a $100 lamb there. Yep. Giving it to God. Because that sacrifice is to God. Sometimes, who's getting rich off this? Well, we're giving things to God. We want a van. You know how we give it a van? We want to make an offering. This is for God. We want more kids and families and things in the van and we need a new van by the way that one's making some strange sounds the motor ain't sounding too good brother dave you notice those sounds in the motor it's it's, it's it sounds like a 2006 van amen with 150,000 plus miles on it church vans don't mile out they they age out and this is 2006 is a long time ago it's almost uh what's that 17 years old so that's, it's been a good good van how do we get a new one I pass an offering plate. 
Preacher, we need a new building. Well, you know how we get a new building? Pass the offering plate. Pastor, we need more space. How we get it? We can pass the offering plate. So again, this, what they did here, this program produced some results. It says in verse number 33, 43, how they rejoiced greatly. This was not a sad day. They rejoiced at it. Second, there was a proclamation in verse number 43. They, the joy being so loud, it was heard afar off, which means it proclaimed God's work and wonders to the heathen. Even the heathen out there could hear them screaming and yelling and rejoicing and the music playing and, and people shouting. You ever hear a stadium erupt? You've been outside and you all of a sudden inside the stadium erupts. And what's going on? What happened? What did I miss? Years ago, before televisions in the stadiums, you'd be out there waiting two hours for, to get a hot dog at the stadium. And, 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 and inside, you can hear the crowd racing and cheering. What did I miss? Was it a touchdown? What happened? Was it an interception? What happened? What's everybody so excited about? Well, you don't want to move because you don't want to lose your spot in line. They could hear these people outside the city. They could hear Jerusalem erupt with praise to God. I like having the windows open. People can hear us sing and the music play. And people walk by. Now, there's a church. They're alive in there. The place ain't dead. They're, they're singing praises to God in there. And I won't go into it, but verses 44 through 47 are the duties. There's the, the care of the treasuries and all the things, that are, that are, uh, everything that's gathered and how they care for it and, and uh, the men who pass the offering plates, so to speak. They're, and again, uh, everybody has a job. Everybody, everybody's job is important. There are those, the wards, both the singers and the porters in verses 45 through 46. And uh, this text means that the porters and singers maintained and fulfilled their duties regarding the temple services. And there's verse 47. And we'll close with this. It says, And all Israel in the days of rubble and the days of Nehemiah gave. They gave. The singers and porters every day had his portion. Those who were involved in full-time service in the temple needed compensation so they could perform their services. They were unable being employed by full-time temple to do anything else. You know, being a pastor, by the way, I've always been restricted at what I could do. Because I had pastoral responsibilities. And so, you know, why don't you do this? Well, I can't because then I have to move away from the church and maybe not be there for the church. So the pastor has to be compensated for his time, his effort. I mean, what do you do all week, pastor? Okay, just Sunday's the easy day. And Monday through Saturday is when, it, you know, we deal with everybody and everything and try to help people. With all. Here we all looking like Sunday people, amen? Monday through Saturday is when we go out and deal with the person whose heart's broken, who's hurt, who's struggling, whose kid's on drugs, whose husband's packing up and leaving, and who's doing this and who's doing that. And, and you're trying to give people scripture and how to help put things together. Who's texting you? Who's calling you? And, and what's going on? Who's mad at what happened on Sunday and, and, and everything else? So Sunday's kind of like easy. <laughs> this is the easy day. And, I think, and it's easy, by the way, because... There's people who do all the things that have to be done. Who's, who's singing? Who's doing this? Who's cleaning? Who's doing that? And passing the offering plate? Who's helping seat people? Who's taking care of the nursery? Who's doing the children's? Who's doing all the... They're all important. But the pastor gets compensated for his labor. And we get that from Scripture. And a church ought to make sure... So this is... I'm not saying this about me, but no matter where you go in life, you go to a church, you ought to make sure that you give faithfully because is the pastor being taken care of? Is the pastor being uh, 
Are his needs met? Is the pastor getting adequately compensated for the labor he does? I'm not saying this about me, but it's important that we do talk about this because most people don't even think about the pastor and his salary or how he survives. They just know he's going to be there on Sundays and the pastor's going to be there on Wednesday. And if I call him, the pastor's going to be there. And if so-and-so dies, the pastor's going to be there. And if I want to get married, the pastor's going to be there. And if so-and-so's in the hospital, the pastor's going to be there. And if we have a baby, the pastor's going to be there. And why is the pastor there? Because somebody's making sure the pastor can be there because they're putting money in the offering plate so the pastor can pay his bills and feed his family and do what he has to do. The lost world doesn't understand that. Pastors get paid too much money. They're making a lot of money over there. They're getting rich. Not all of us. We just faithfully go about the business. So again, these, were, these men, why? Because it says in the days of Nehemiah, what they, they gave. They gave. They gave. Don't be afraid to give to God's work because God will take care of you. Give in accordance to, to your income. Give in accordance to how God leads you. And, and, and don't be hoodwinked by false preachers, but give faithfully to a good work and God will bless that. Let's stand together for prayer. Now, Lord, we do thank you for your goodness and mercy. We see these men, these women here, and all that they did, and the work, and the labor, and they're singing, they're praising, and how things function so well, and things were done decently, they were done in order. They, they had their parade, they dedicated all the things that, Lord, you enabled them to do. You gave them a heart and a mind to work and to build, and, and Lord, it's an exciting time to be a, a Jewish citizen. Lord, help us to be faithful, to love you, and to be excited to be a citizen of heaven and to work for the King of Kings. Bless this time, this hour now, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.